Vado ad Patrem. I go to the Father. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Vado ad Patrem. I go to the Father. Quo vadis? Where are you going? The words of our blessed Lord in today's Holy Gospel indeed allow us to reflect not only on the upcoming feast of his ascension, but also pose to us that rhetorical question, quo vadis? Where are you going? Are we following in his footsteps that we too may go to the Father? Since last Sunday, the Church has been preparing us for this feast of the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. And today, taking up the subject again, she goes one step further. She mentions the coming of the Holy Spirit, and in so doing, makes use of a passage from Jesus' discourse after the Last Supper. Our Lord is speaking to his apostles in preparing their souls for his departure. Saddened and pensive, they listen to him, but without courage to ask him the question. Like a kind father, our Lord Jesus breaks this painful silence. And now I go to him that sent me, and none of you ask me, Quo vadis? Where are you going? But he hastens to console them, saying, It is expedient to you that I go. For if I go not, the paraclete will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Only Jesus' death his death on the cross could merit this great gift for us. And it was not until after his ascension into heaven that the Holy Spirit, the envoy of the Father and the Son, could descend upon the church. The apostles were about to lose the sensible and physical presence of their Jesus, the Christ, their Master. However, he would not leave them orphans and would continue to assist them now invisibly by his Spirit. His Holy Spirit who would take up his work now with them. Jesus did his work in a visible manner in their midst while walking on this earth. The Holy Spirit would now do His work in a secret and hidden way, but one that is no less efficacious and real. He would now, dwelling in their souls, make the apostles now the first extensions of the incarnation of Jesus Christ into the world in all who would receive the sacraments from their hands until this very day, receiving the Holy Spirit in their souls by grace, 
would become the visible extensions of the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who ascended into heaven, not to leave us orphans, but to send us the Holy Spirit that we would imitate him in every time and in every place until the end of the world, when he shall come to judge that world by fire. Furthermore, as Jesus himself said, the action of the Holy Spirit would complete his own work. I have yet many things to say to you, Jesus says, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will teach you all truth. He shall receive of mine and shall show it to you. The hearts of the apostles, still dulled by sin, could not really comprehend these profound truths. It was necessary that Jesus Christ, by dying on the cross, that he destroy sin. Sin is the great obstacle to the action of the Holy Spirit. It was then, when he had ascended into heaven, he would send the divine paraclete, whom he merited for them and for us by his passion and death on the cross. The sending of the Holy Spirit to our souls is the principal fruit of the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost is the greatest gift God gives to us, his own spirit to dwell within you and in me. We can draw some very practical applications from today's Holy Gospel. First of all, we must fervently prepare ourselves for the Feast of Pentecost so that the coming of the Holy Ghost will be renewed in us in all of its plenitude. Since sin is the obstacle to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, our preparation must consist in a very special purity of conscience. Sin must be destroyed in us, not only in its actual manifestations, no matter how small those may seem to be, but sin must also be destroyed in its deepest and most hidden roots in us. We must be convinced that a certain action of the Holy Spirit is furthermore never interrupted in a soul in the state of grace. This uninterrupted action of the Holy Spirit in a soul that is in the state of grace is even more true of one who tries to correspond faithfully to every motion of that Spirit every motion of the divine will upon that soul. This action does not necessarily have to be perceived and have to be consoling. Sometimes when it is that we 
do not have the sensible feelings of consolation. It is when the Holy Spirit is attempting to work in us all the more profoundly, because he is asking of us not only to give up our own will, but our love of the affections of feeling good when it is that we want to do God's will. This ultimate purification of even those affections of the pious soul allow us to persevere amidst that dryness, amidst that absence of consolation, and amidst the aridity of a spiritual life that is indeed in need of maturation. In this aridity and even despondency, the Holy Spirit can work in a faithful soul. His action is all the more secret and hidden, but no less real and effective. Its chief purpose in this soul is to purify it and to dispose it for union with God. If this soul is convinced of this, it will remain confident even amidst the difficulties and the dryness that it may be experiencing. And if it never understands nor sees its path, it will nevertheless trust in the Holy Ghost who sees and knows well the goal to which he is leading that soul. Quo vadis. Where are you going? Where the Holy Spirit leads you to the Father. And finally, today's gospel invites us to invoke the very action of the Holy Spirit upon the church. Upon the church and upon the whole world on the church to govern and direct her in the accomplishment of her divine mission, and on the world to convince it of the truth which it rejects outright. And when he has come, says Jesus, he, the Holy Spirit, will convince the world of sin and of justice and of judgment. That is, the Holy Spirit will make it see, it will make the world see that it is the slave of sin because it has not believed in Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost will make the world understand that justice and sanctity and peace are found only in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, and He will show the world that the devil, the prince of this world, is henceforth overcome and condemned. In this month of May, through the intercession of the Blessed Mary Ever-Virgin, the Immaculate Mother of our Lord Jesus Christ, who crushed the head of Satan, May we indeed go to her with that confidence, to that throne of grace, from whom all graces come to us 
is our intercessor and mediatrix. We turn to her, she who not only from the moment of her conception never offended God by any sin, and the stain of original sin had no place in her soul, but she also corresponded at every moment to God's holy will. In every movement of the Holy Spirit there upon her soul, she cooperated and corresponded with those graces. She is the key to us receiving those graces ourselves as we prepare for the Holy Feast of Pentecost, when indeed the Holy Ghost shall be renewed in your souls and in mine, that it may reign first in our souls, thus begin to reign in this world once again. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.